passage of a very disturbing story in the Bible, a very graphic story in Scripture, but it's still the Word of God. It's there for our learning, for our admonition. Father, I pray you'd help me to say the things you would have me to say. Lord, help me to be able to preach the sermon in the, in the right spirit. Lord, I pray you'd help each and every one of us to have an open heart to hear the Bible, to not be easily offended, Lord, to realize that the Word of God is the Word of God, whether we like it or not. And Lord, I pray you'd, you'd meet with us tonight as we go through this passage in your precious name, I pray. Amen. Well, we find ourselves there in Judges chapter number 19, and I'll be honest with you, Judges 19 is not a chapter that I would, have, that, that I would like to preach through, and necessarily even like to read out loud. Judges 19 is a very uh, sobering passage. I, I warned you this morning, I said, you know, if you're easily offended, uh, tonight's probably not the night for you to come, alright? So you were, you were warned, alright? But uh, Judges 19, now here's what you need to understand, a lot of preachers would actually skip Judges 19. They would say, I'm not dealing with that and move on. I don't believe that's right because the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is profitable. And all of God's words are perfect and pure. There's nothing in the Bible we ought to be ashamed of. But you know, Judges 19 is placed there to teach us a very valuable lesson. And you've got to understand this, okay? Sometimes people say, you know, they'll, they'll say, uh, I don't believe the Bible because man wrote the Bible. Let me tell you something. Judges 19 is probably one of the best proofs that the Bible was not written by man, but it was written by God, Almighty God. You say, well, why is that? Read a history book written by men. Read a history book of the United States of America. You pick up a history book and you know, it's going to make it sound like America. I mean, America is just the greatest nation that ever lived. I mean, when men write their own history, they leave out all the uh, stuff that makes us look bad. You know what I mean? The Word of God is not so. God gives us the good, God gives us the bad, God gives us the ugly. And that proves to us that this book was, you know, the guy that wrote Judges 19 was not, you know, it, it wasn't someone just trying to write something. If they were trying to just write the history of, of, of Israel, they probably would have left that story out. But God puts that there for a reason to be an example for us to show us. Now, uh, you know, th- there actually is so much material in Judges 19 that I could preach two, maybe three sermons out of. And if it was any other story, I might do that. But, you know, I want to try to get through this in one week and move on because it's not a pleasant story. But there are a few things we can uh, get from it. And I, I want to just show you a few things as we go through it. Look down at Judges 19. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days. Now I want to, we talked about this last week, but I want to bring your attention to it again. He says, And it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel. Now that phrase again is put there to remind us the context of the culture of Israel at this time and the children of Israel. Go, we saw it last week, but let's look at it again real quickly. Go back to Judges 17 verse 6. Okay, When there was no king in Israel, immediately reminds us of Judges 17.6. Judges 17.6. And I know we saw it last week, but I want you to see it again. Judges 17.6. In those days, there was no king of Israel. Okay, that matches 19.1. But every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And what God is telling us here, they live in a society where people are doing what they think is right, not based on the Word of God, not based on the law of God, but based upon themselves. All right? And here's what you got to understand. They're not necessarily doing that which they think is wrong. These people think they're doing right, but the problem is they're basing it on themselves. Go to Judges 21, verse 25, the last uh, verse of the book. Again, 
closes with this idea, Judges 21-25, Judges 21-25, the Bible says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And I'm here to tell you, that's the day we live in today. That is, that is America in 2013. That is America in, in, in the day that we live today. You say, America is a Christian nation, and there, there's a whole lot of people that may think they're Christian, and they may be saved, but let me tell you something. We live in a society where people do not care what the Bible says. They do not read the Bible, like we talked about this morning. They don't read the Bible. They don't study the Bible. They don't know what the Bible says. Every man, you know, they, they think, well, I'm doing pretty good because I'm doing what I think is right. But the problem is they're doing what they think is right in their own eyes. They are their own standard. God is not the standard. The Word of God is not the standard. Everybody has put themselves as a standard. And let me tell you something. If you put yourself as a standard, you're going to hit it every time. If you're the standard, there's not much of a standard. Judges 19, look at verse 2. we got to explain the story and get into the context. And his concubine, now I don't want to get a lot into that word, there's a lot of different people uh, that would, you know, consider that word different things. I'll tell you what I think about it, I think a concubine is a, uh, when a man marries a slave, alright? Uh, that's, that's what I think about it, uh, and I'm not dogmatic on that, but I, I think uh, if you study the scriptures, that's probably a good definition for it. So this man has a concubine, and I want you to understand, he was married to her. But she was a slave. It says, And his concubine played the whore against him, and went away from him unto her father's house, to Bethlehem, Judah. And there were four whole months. Now you may say, well, why do you think they were actually married? Because some people say like a concubine is like a live-in girlfriend. Okay? Like they're just living in fornication. I don't agree with that, because of verse 3. And her husband. Alright? The Bible says that he had a concubine, he was a husband. So a husband, you're married. Alright? So, and her husband arose, and went after her, to speak friendly unto her. Now I have to say, right here, I, I want to give this guy props, or at least trying. I mean, his wife runs off. He, I mean, he waited four months, which probably wasn't a good thing, but he decides to go after her and to speak friendly to her, and he wants to try to bring her back. So, that was a good, you know, point for trying there. Uh, verse 3, and uh, her husband arose and went after her to speak friendly unto her, and to bring her again, having a servant with him, and a couple of asses, and she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the damsel saw him, he rejoiced to meet him. Verse 4, here's another proof that they were actually married. And his father-in-law, alright? So you got a father-in-law, you're married. And his father-in-law, the damsel's father, retained him, and he abode with him three days, and they did eat and drink and lodge there. And it came to pass on the fourth day, when they arose early in the morning, that he rose up to depart, and the damsel's father said unto his son-in-law, do you see the relationship there as they're married? Comfort thine heart with a morsel of bread, and afterward go your way. So here's the story. The guy goes after his wife, goes after his concubine, he gets there, he meets his father-in-law, his fa- you know, he spends a few days with the father-in-law, he says, alright, it's time for, for us to go home, he says, well just stay uh, comfort thine heart with a, uh, with a morsel of bread, and afterward go your way verse 6, and they sat down and did eat and drink, both of them together for the damsel's father had said unto the man be content, I pray thee, and tarry all night and let thine heart be merry and when the man rose up to depart okay, so he's going to try to leave his father-in-law urged him, therefore he lodged there again, so the guy's like, you know he's been there for four days, he says, okay, it's time for us to go his father-in-law's like, no, just stay Let's have something to eat. 
They end up having a good time. They're being married. He stays again. He says, okay, now I really got to go. He says, well, no, stay again. You know, let's, we're having so much fun. Verse 8. And he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. And the damsel's father said, comfort thine heart, I pray thee. And they tarried until afternoon. And they did eat before them. So the guy's been trying to leave for five days now. And his, his father-in-law keeps saying, no, why don't you stay? Why don't you stay? And let me tell you something. I believe that Judges 19 is a picture of America today. And, and here's, here's a good proof for it. You know, I read this story and I think to myself, the guy's like, I gotta go. He's like, no, no, stay. So he ends up staying. Then it gets late. He's like, well, you might as well just, just sleep here. He's like, oh, okay. So the next day he's like, I gotta go. And the guy's like, his father-in-law, well, why don't you stay? And he's like, well, okay. And they stay, they hang out. It gets late. You know, he's been trying to provide it. My question is this. Does this guy not have a job? I mean, does this guy have nowhere to be? I mean, I couldn't just leave for five days. You know what I mean? Like, like hey, I gotta go. No, no, no. It's, I mean, I got responsibilities. I got places to go. I got to be, you know, I got to be in church. This guy's not working. I'm telling you, this is America today. People are just living, not working, no responsibility, have nothing to do, just idle, doing nothing with their lives. And let me tell you something. Idle time is devil time. You keep yourself busy or you'll get yourself in trouble. Verse 8, And he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. And the damsel's father said, Comfort thine heart, I pray thee. And they tarried until afternoon, and they did eat both of them. And when the man rose up to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the damsel's father, said unto him, Behold now, the day draweth toward evening. I pray you, tarry all night. Behold, the day groweth to an end. Lodge here, that thine heart may be merry, and tomorrow get you early on your way, that thou mayest go home. Verse 10. And the man would not tarry. He's like, you know, I've been trying to do this for five days. Enough is enough. i got to go home. And the man would not tarry that night, but he rose up and departed. Now I want you to notice this, okay? He came over against Jebus, which is Jerusalem, alright? So Jerusalem, very well-known city, obviously we're all familiar with Jerusalem. But at this point in history, Jerusalem was not a possession of Israel, okay? So it's the city of Jerusalem, but at this point it's known as Jebus. And here's what you got to understand. This was a city before it belonged to Israel, so it's a city of heathen. Alright? Now I want you to follow closely what happens here. Let's read verse 10 again. But the man would not tarry that night, but he rose up and departed. So they, they're traveling. And they're traveling. They didn't, they didn't get an early start. They, you know, they've been messing around for the last five days. They get on their way. They came over against Jebus, which is Jerusalem. And there were with him two asses saddled, his concubine also with him. Alright? So he's traveling. He's got his concubine, he's got two asses saddled, he's got a servant, a male servant, verse 11. And when they were by Jebus, the day was far spent, and the servant said unto his master, Come, I pray thee. So now his servant is saying to him, alright, Come, I pray thee, and let us turn into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. Alright, I want to make sure you understand what's going on. They're traveling home. You've got the man, you've got his concubine, you've got a servant, and you've got the two uh, asses there. They're traveling. They're going by the city, Jebus, which is a heathen city. It's not, it does not belong to the children of Israel. The servant says to the master, he says, look, it's getting late. Why don't we stay here for the night? Why don't we stay in Jebus? Now, I want you to notice a response. Verse 12. And his master said unto him, notice what he said, We will not... Turn aside hither into the city of a stranger. The word stranger means foreigners. He said, we are not going to stay in Jebus with a bunch of foreigners, with a bunch of heathens. Now notice what he says. That is not a 
the children of Israel. He, he tells the servant, look, we are not going to go and spend the night in some heathen nation with heathen people. We can't trust those people. Those people are not Israelites. Notice what he says. We will pass over to Gibeah. The worst thing he could have done. Here's what he says. He says, I don't trust the world. I don't trust Jebus. They are not of Israel. He said, let's not spend the night with the world. Let's go spend the night in Gibeah because those are people of the children of Israel. Those are our people. We'll be safer there. They get to Gibeah and we read the story. They were abused. They were attacked. And a woman was, was, was killed. So what can we learn from this? It's a sad day when a Christian is safer with the world than with other Christians. You understand what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. Thousands of people in Sacramento and all across this nation went to some liberal, contemporary, don't preach the Bible, don't stand for nothing, watered down church this morning. They would have been better off if they would have gone to a ball game with the world. They would have been better off if they would have gone to, to, to a barbecue with the world. They would have been more spiritually sound if they would have gone and spent the day with the world than to spend it with so-called God's people. Because at least when you're the world, when you're, when you're with the world, at least you 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 know you got your game face on. When you're with the world, at least you understand. Oh, these are worldly people. I better be careful. You get around so-called Christian people, you let your guard down. You're like, well, they're Christians. They're good. And, and what you don't realize is you're being lied to. You're being told lies. You're not being taught the truth. It would have been better for them spiritually. He said, I can't believe you're saying that. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 2. 2 Timothy in the New Testament chapter 4. This guy has this idea. He says, I'm not going to go with the world. I'm going to go spend it with God's people. It would have been better for him to stay with the world than to go with God's people. Because when you're with God's people, but every man is doing that which is right in his own eyes, you are not saved. 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 2. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. By the way, you might want to remember that. The Bible says we are to preach the word and we are not to cater it to the seasons of this world, whether it's popular, whether it's not popular, whether they like it, whether they don't like it. The Bible says be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. It is not my job to preach the Word of God in a manner that you like. It is my job to preach the Bible in a manner that God likes and that pleases God. Amen. You say, I, I, don't, I can't believe you're saying that. That's not popular today. We are not to preach in the seasons of the world. We are to preach in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all our suffering. But look at verse 3. This is the day we're in today. For the time will come. And by the way, it's come. That's right. When they will not endure sound doctrine. There are people that are so-called Christians that would not step foot in a church like Verity Baptist Church. You know why? We preach way too much Bible. We preach way too much doctrine. The Bible says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Amen. And I'm here to tell you the average Christian does not want to be preached the Bible. They do not want to know what the Bible says. They don't really care what the Bible says. Because when you stop preaching the Bible, you mess up their lives. They want to go somewhere where they're patted on the back, where they're made to feel good, where they're not made to feel guilty, where they're made to feel like, you're doing good, you're doing what's right in your own eyes. Oh, the music's good. Oh, the testimonies are good. Oh, the buildings are fancy. Oh, you ought to see how this guy preaches on. 
you know this word, lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You're like, uh, I always like to make this reference, I always think of this when I, I don't think of anything else when I read this verse. When I read this verse, I think of like a little dog that just wants you to scratch them right where, right where it itches. That's how most people are in church. They, 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 you know, and by the way, the, the offerings would be larger at Very Baptist Church, and the attendances would be better if all I did was when people came here on Sunday morning, I just scratched. Does that feel good? Oh, it feels so good. Every time I go to that church, it just feels so good. Like a puppy getting itched, scratched. That's what the Bible says. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they shall eat themselves. Teachers having itching ears. I just want you to make me feel good, Pastor. I don't want you to give me the Bible. I don't want you to confront me with sin. I don't want you to tell me when I'm wrong. I don't really care about my relationship with God. Just, just make me feel good. I'll, I'll write the check. Just make me feel good. Verse 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. Say, I don't want the truth. You're at the wrong church. You know the word verity means truth. That's what it means. And shall be turned unto fables. You know what the word fables means? Lies. Fairy tales. Things that are true. Let me tell you something. There are people that went to church today and under the name of Jesus Christ they were told fables. They were told stories. They were told lies. And they would have been better off spiritually if they would have spent the day with a bunch of worldly people at a barbecue than if they would have spent the day with so-called God's people. That's the day we're living in today. I'm not going to spend the day in Jebus. I'm going to go to Gibeah. You'd be better off just spending it with the world. Because every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Look at verse 13. And he said unto his servant, Come, and let us draw near to one of these places to lodge all night in Gibeah or in Ramah. He says, look, let's stay in Israel. Let's stay with God's people. That's what he said. He's saying, let's stay with God's people. We'll be safe with God's people. Verse 14. And they passed on and went their way. And the sun went down upon them when they were by Gibeah, which belonged to Benjamin. And they turned aside hither to go in and to lodge in Gibeah. And when he went in, he sat him down in the street of the city, for there was no man that took him in his house to lodging. So this guy gets there, no one is offering to take him in for the night, so he's just going to spend the night on the street. Verse 17. And when he had lifted up his eyes, he saw a wayfarer. I'm sorry, verse 16. And behold, there came an old man from his work. At least somebody's working. Out of the field at even, which was also of Mount Ephraim. And he sojourned in Gibeah, but the men of the place were Benjamites. So here comes this guy. He comes from work. He looks up, uh, verse 17. And when he had lifted up his eyes, he saw a wayfaring man. The word wayfaring means a person who's traveling on foot. So he sees this guy traveling on foot in the street of the city. And the old man said, Whither goest thou? So he's saying, Where are you going? And whence comest thou? He says, From where are you coming? Verse 18. And he said unto him, We are passing from Bethlehem toward the city of Mount Ephraim. From thence am I, and I went to Bethlehem, Judah. But I am now going to the house of the Lord, and there is no man that receiveth me to house. Yet there is both straw and provender for our asses, and there is bread and wine also for me, and for thy handmaid, and for the young man which is with thy servants, there is no want of anything. And the old man said, Peace be with thee. 
Howsoever, let all I want lie upon me, only lodge not in the street. So this guy says, look, it doesn't really matter if you've got the money or if you've got food. I'll take care of you. Just please, just please, don't spend the night on the street. That's what he's saying to him. Why would he say that? Verse 21. So he brought him into his house and gave provender unto the asses, and they washed their feet and did eat and drink. Now as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Bilal. The word Bilal comes from the word, you know, Baal or Balaam, okay? Literally these are devil worshippers, Satan worshippers. Now notice what it says, they beset. The word beset means they surrounded the house round about. Do you see that? And beat at the door. And spake to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Now notice what they said. Bring forth the man that came into thine house, that we may, make known this word, know him. Now understand this. This is not the welcome wagon for the neighborhood. They're not wanting to introduce themselves and see if there's anything they can do to help him. If you remember, if you were here on Wednesday night, we studied the word no, but let's go ahead and look at it again. Go to, go to Genesis, chapter number 4. Do you remember what the word no uh, often means in the Bible? In Genesis, chapter number 4, look at verse 1. In Genesis, chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible says, and Adam knew Eve his wife. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. And Adam knew Eve his wife. And when he knew her, she conceived. Okay? The word know, knew in the Bible is the way that God lets us know that they're having a physical relationship. Remember, uh, Joseph knew Mary. After she'd conceived, after she'd uh, given birth to Jesus. The Bible says, Adam knew Eve his wife. Now, now go, go back to, to, to uh, Judges 19, look at verse 22. Now as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial, beset the house round about, and beat at the door, and spake to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring forth the man that came into thine house, that we may know him. They want to have a physical relationship with this guy. You say, I, I don't think so. Oh, really? Look at verse 23. And the man, the master of the house, went out unto them and said unto them, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you. Notice what he says. Do not so wickedly. Okay, what these guys want to do is not righteous. What these guys want to do is a wicked thing. It's a horrible thing. They don't want to just introduce themselves. Hey, how you doing? We saw you came into town. Can we help you with something? No, they want to, they want to physically get to know this guy. Have a physical relationship. And the owner of the house says, I pray you do not so wickedly. Seeing that this man is coming to my house, do not this folly. Now I want you to understand something, alright? This passage is dealing with what the Bible calls sodomites. Today you'd call them a homosexual. I don't like to use that word. I like to use Bible words. Now you got to understand this, okay? The word sodomite is used often in Scripture. God uses it a lot. But there are only two, and depending on how you look at it, there are maybe three stories. I believe there's three stories. There are only three stories where God really has a sodomite as a character in the story. 
Alright? The first one is when Noah was abused by one of his sons. Okay? But I'll be honest with you, a lot of people disagree that that's saying what it's saying. So I'm not even going to go to that one. And if you take that one out of there, there are only two stories in all of Scripture that God highlights something for us from the Sodomites. Alright? Now you got to understand this. The, the, the second one is Judges 19. What do we see? We see them coming to the house in order to literally take advantage of this man. Alright? Now I want you to make notice this. Judges chapter 19 is, uh, is one of the stories. Let me show you the other story. Genesis chapter 19. And by the way, it's not a coincidence that they both are in the 19th chapter. Genesis 19. God is a God of order. He's a numeric God. Genesis 19. Now let me make a disclaimer right now. And that's not really a disclaimer, but I need something. I need to understand this, alright? At Verity Baptist Church, we are Biblicists. What that means is that the Bible is our authority, whether the society agrees with it, whether people like it, whether they don't like it, hey, whether it's in season, out of season... Alright? Now when you approach scripture, you must approach scripture with every preconceived idea taken out. Do you understand that? So you can't go into it with your personal experience. You can't go into it with what you watch on TV. You can't go into it with what you were told in the classroom. You must look at the Bible. And here's how you got to look at the Bible when you study the Bible. You must look at it as if the only facts that you have on a subject are, the only thing, you know, you got to study it this way. The only thing you know about sodomites is what you can find in Scripture. Does that make sense? Amen. I want to see, what, what does God want me to think about sodomites? Here's how you do it. You forget everything you've ever learned, been taught, seen about the sodomites, and then you just say, well, what does God, what does God want me to know? We come down to two stories where God highlights the sodomites. The first one, you've got them encompassing a, uh, a house, and they want to abuse this man. They want to get to know. The first one, Genesis 19. Are you there? Look at verse 1. Genesis 19, verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom. Does that sound familiar? That's where the word Sodomite comes from. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my Lord, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night. And wash your feet, and you shall rise up early, and go on your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. Now you got to understand this. These are two different stories, but they're very similar. you got two angels coming into Sodom. God is getting ready to destroy Sodom. God sends the angels to bring Lot and his family out. The angels come up to Lot. Lot says, hey, why don't you come in, spend the night with me? The angels are like, no, we're spending the night on the street. We're alright. Verse 3. And he pressed upon them greatly. And they turned in unto him and entered into the house. And he made them a feast. And they break unleavened bread and they did eat. So he's like, no, 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 no. You can't stay on the street. Please, please. I'll, I'll get a meal ready. Well, you know, come, come, friend, uh, come be with me. You don't want to spend the night on the street. Verse 4. But before they lay down... Tell me if this sounds familiar. The men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house roundabout, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may, what's that say? Know them. You, you, you could get confused and think, are we reading the same story? It's not the same story. 
One deals with two angels, one deals with a Levite and a concubine. One deals with law, bringing the angels in, one deals with an old man coming in from work, saying you can't stay here. They're, they're not the same story, but you got to understand this, they're very similar. And these are the only stories in Scripture you find about Simon. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. If the only thing you knew about a homosexual, the only thing you knew about a sodomite, came straight from Scripture, it is not painting a pretty picture. God shows us here that these sodomites are abusing individuals. Go to Judges 19, look at verse 23. And the man, the master of the house, went out unto them and said unto them, Nay, my brethren, I pray you, do not so wickedly, seeing that this man has come into mine house, do not this folly. Now, here's, here's a problem, alright? And I already made the statement, but let me apply it. Here's a problem. Everybody, probably, if we, took a, if we took a survey, and I don't want to, and I don't really care, to be honest with you, but everybody in this room knows a sodomite, has a sodomite relative, work for the sodomite. I mean, everybody in this room does, including me. Okay? And here's what you want to say. Well, I know a sodomite and they're a pretty nice person. Or I, you know, I watched the sodomite on TV and he was flamboyant and he was fun and they're just all want to have a good time. You know, they call him gay. You know what the word gay means? Happy. But I'm here to tell you that God paints the picture very differently. God says these people are abusive. Now you've got to understand something. Just follow, your lo- follow this logic. A sodomite cannot reproduce. You understand that? They cannot have children. So how, do the, how does the sodomite population grow? They don't reproduce, they recruit. And often, and usually, and if you're, you don't believe me, do your own research. Forget about the Bible, just go on the internet and do some research. Usually the people that grow up to be homosexuals have been abused by a homosexual. That is the truth that our society doesn't want you to know. Amen. And the Bible shows us that. The only times you see a sodomite, they're abusing someone. The only time you see a homosexual, they're taking advantage of someone. What they wanted to do was wicked. Now look at verse 24. Behold. Now, now notice this. Here you got, you got this guy. Okay, keep your finger in Judges 19. We're going to be going back and forth. Here you got this, this, way, this guy who's doing a, he's trying to help them. Notice what he says. Behold, here's my daughter, a maiden, and his concubine. Them will I bring out, and humble ye them. And do with them what seemeth good unto you, but unto this man do not do all the thing. Now, did, did you catch what just happened here? The Sodomites come to the house, they said, hey, bring us that guy out, we want to know him. And the guy said, no, 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 don't do so about the thing. He says, here, here, take my daughter, she's a maiden, which means she's a virgin. They said, take my daughter, and here, take his concubine, but don't do such a vile thing. And this guy thinks he's doing a good thing. Compare that to Genesis 19, look at verse 6. Genesis 19, verse 6. And Lot, remember, the Bible tells us Lot was a saved man. The Bible tells us Lot was a righteous man. The, I mean, Lot was born again, he was a believer. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. Remember, they came and they said, Hey, we want to get to know these guys. Verse 7, And he said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now. Notice what Lot says. Very similar. I have two daughters which have not known a man. I've got two daughters. They're virgins. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And do ye do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And this is not the book of Judges. 
Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. What can we learn from that? Here's what we can learn from that. Even Christians, even believers, when they are brainwashed by the world society, will do things that are disgusting, thinking they're doing right. That's right. These guys think they're doing a good thing. They're like, no, don't abuse the guys. Here, have my daughter. Could you imagine giving your daughter, your virgin daughter, to a group of ravenous rapist men? Say, here, here, have her, and they think they're doing a good thing. They're, 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 they're protecting their guests, and they said, here, abuse my daughter. Here, get, do, do what you want with my child. Here, it, it's fine. You know, and they think they're doing a good thing. I'm here to tell you, when, when we get saturated, see, and some of you are sitting there right now thinking, I can't believe this guy's saying that. What, what all that tells me is this, you are being brainwashed by our society. At some point, you may want to turn off the idiot box and the television and get your Bible and, and get your, your, your nose in a King James Bible and let the Word of God wash your mind and take the brainwashing again and realize the Bible says is a wicked sin. Come on, come on, get it. This is not something that's normal. It's not natural. We'll look at that in a minute. That's right. Come on, come on. It's a vile sin. And these people say, here, just have my kids. And by the way, you think, oh, that's so crazy. That's so insane that they would have, that they would just give their kids up to the world. Let me tell you something. Christians are doing that every day. Sending their kids off to school and saying, here, teach them what you want. Sitting their kids down in front of a television saying, have at it. Teach them what you want. Do with what you want with them. I don't really care. Let them be on Facebook. Let them be on YouTube. Let them be in front of the TV. Let them get brainwashed at school. Just, just get them out of my hair so I can have a break. Just, just, and they're offering their kids up today just like this guy was. Do what you want. Go ahead. See, well, they're offering them up to the sodomites. You think you don't think there's a sodomite at that public school teaching your kids? You don't think there's sodomites on that television teaching your kids? Well, if I if I take them out of school, it's just so much work. Yeah, go ahead, offer them up to the world. That's fine. But don't look down on this guy so bad for offering up his daughter a bunch of sodomites saying, "Do what you like." When Christians do it every day, I told you you might want to not want to come. Look at verse twenty-five. But the man would not hearken to him. So the man took his concubine and brought her forth unto them. And they knew her and abused her all the night until the morning. And when the day began to spring, like a bunch of cockroaches, they let her go. Now here's, here's the other thing that God wants you to learn about a sodomite. Here, this is what people tell me all the time. Go, go back to Genesis 19. People say, you know, people say, oh, I let my daughter around this, this guy. You know, he's a, little, he's a little on the other side, but, you know, he only likes guys. So it's safe to have my daughter around him. Let me tell you something. That concept does not exist in Scripture. Every sodomite you find in the Bible, excuse my language, I don't know how else to say it, every sodomite you find in Scripture goes both ways. Go to Judge, Genesis 19, look at verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round. Look what it says. Both old and young. All the people from every quarter. Those guys were married. Those guys had kids. You say, no, no, my, my daughter is safe around that guy because he only likes boys. You're insane. The Bible doesn't teach that. Go to Leviticus chapter 20, look at verse 13. Leviticus chapter 20. Verse 13, and I'm not trying to be vulgar, I hope you understand, uh, you know, I'm trying to keep it as, as clean as I can, but I, I'm here to tell you, the Bible does not teach this concept that there are just women that only like women, and there are men that only like men. Every time you find a sodomite in the Bible, they will defile a boy, they will defile a girl, they'll defile anyone they can get their hands on. 
Leviticus 20, verse 13. Look what it says. This is God describing a sodomite for us. Leviticus 20, verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind. Now notice the wording. Also. Do you see the word also? If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman. So even God in his description of a sodomite tells us that they'll lie with a woman like they'll lie with a man. Now notice what God and, and please understand this. We live in America. We live under American law. We don't live in Old Testament Israel under the, under the you know, I, I talked about this on Wednesday night. We don't live in the, under the laws of, of, of the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, this was their law book. And notice what God said, Leviticus 23. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed abomination, they shall surely be put to, what's that say? Death. You know that God put the death penalty on sodomy? Their blood shall be upon them. He said, Pastor Middles, are you saying that we should go kill sodomy? I didn't say that. I don't, we don't live in Old Testament Israel. We live in the United States of America. Do you understand what I'm saying? But what I'm telling you is this. When God was in charge, that's the penalty He put on sodomy. And by the way, I said it on Wednesday night, I'll say it again. There is coming what's called the the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ will reign on this earth for a thousand years. And I'd like to explain to you that when Jesus is running the show, this is the law we'll live by. And these laws will be enacted. Say, I don't like that. Because you've been brainwashed, that's why. I don't think you should preach that because you want me to preach what's in season, out of season. Because you want me to go with, because you say, well, I, I've got a friend and they're so nice. But look, it doesn't matter what experience you've had. It doesn't matter what you've seen on TV. It doesn't matter what you've read on the newspaper. All that matters is the Word of God. Amen. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. You think this kind of church, this kind of preaching attracts crowds? If, if we're interested in, 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 in building a, a crowd, this is not the sermon I'd be preaching. But when you're pre- interested in the truth, come on. Thank you. So, well, Pastor, why, why are you preaching the sermon? You know, I'll tell you exactly why I'm preaching the sermon. You know why? Because it's Judges 19. And last week we were in Judges 18. And the week before that we were in Judges 17. And there's this funny thing. Whenever you preach the Bible, you're going to have to preach things that people don't like. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 21. We, we could do the whole thing, but we're not going to. Romans chapter 1, look at verse 21. In the New Testament, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. You say, I, you know, I think they were born that way. The Bible doesn't teach that. Now, now let, me, let me say this, okay? And I want you to, to follow what I'm saying, and I'll show it to you from Scripture. The Bible does not think that, say they were born that way. But the Bible does teach that God made them that way. Say, what are you talking about? Romans 1, verse 21. I don't want to argue with you about it. I'm just, I'm just, my job is to show you the Bible. You do what you want with it. Romans 1, 21. Because that when they knew God. Did they know God? Yes or no? I mean, what does it say? Because that when they knew God. Did they know God? Yes or no? Yes, they did. If you study the scripture before that, you'll see that the Bible is very clear. God made themselves manifest through nature. God made himself manifest. There is no human being on planet earth that is born an atheist. A bunch of atheists put up a bunch of billboards throughout Sacramento. Have you seen those? Atheists, you know, there's a billboard. I saw a billboard that said, I don't need uh, God to be good. I can do it all on my own. Well, the problem with that is the Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that we are all sinners. The Bible says there is none that doeth good, no, not one. So I'm going to go with the Bible, not you, billboard. I don't need God to be good. 
You know, these atheists, I don't know if you've seen them, hopefully you haven't, but there's these billboards all throughout Sacramento, you know, promoting uh, atheism. If we had, I've told several people, if we had the money, I would pay, and we don't have the money. And even if we had the money, I probably still wouldn't do it, so don't donate it, okay? But um, if we had the money, you know, I, I, if we were able to, I, I would put a billboard next to all those billboards that just said, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Because that's what the Bible says. These people want to advocate, you know, the fact that there's no God, and they want to teach people that there's no, there's no authority, that we're just animals. Now look at verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. So they knew God, but they chose not to glorify Him. They chose not to serve. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Now notice, their heart was darkened. But before their heart was darkened, they knew God. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The fool said in his heart, there is no God. And changed the glory. Now notice, they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God. The God that has no corruption. The God that is perfect. The God that is all-powerful. They changed the glory of that God into an image made like to corruptible man. So they made God from something big to something small. An image. An idol. And to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Are there people on this earth that worship birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things? There are. And call them gods. Wherefore God, now notice, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. Now, understand this. God gave them up to uncleanness. But did they know God? Verse 21, they, they knew God. Did they have a chance? They had a chance. They knew God. They chose not to glorify Him as God. Do you understand that? Verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator. You know what that's called today? It's called humanism. One of those billboards I tell you about, it says, you know, it has this guy's picture. He thinks he's so smart. I don't need God. And then it says, you know, John Doe, humanist. You know what humanist means? It means they worship man. It means he worships himself. Literally is what it means. They worship the creature more than the creator. It's exactly what Romans 1 is talking about. Look at verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause. Now notice. Okay. Why did God, why did God do what He's about to do? Did God just do it because he, he doesn't like them? Did God just do it because He wants to pick on them? Did God just do it because, you know, God's a Calvinist and He just chooses who He's going to pick on? No. For this cause. For what cause? The fact that they rejected God. The fact that they knew God and they glorified Him not as God and they worshiped to, to, they decided to worship the creature more than the creator. Look, this was not God's doing. They rejected God. Do you understand that? Yes. It's not that they didn't have a chance. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says that God died for the sins of the whole world. Any human being can be saved. But these people decided to reject God. Decided they don't want anything to do with God. Somebody would say, hey, let me explain to you about Jesus Christ. I don't want to hear it. Let me invite you to church. I don't want to hear it. Let me explain to you the gospel. Don't talk to me about it. I don't want to acknowledge God. I don't want to worship God. Now notice, verse 26. For this cause. For what they first did in rejecting God, God gave them up. God doesn't give up.
come upon anyone. Really? Because that's not what the Bible says. I, I don't think God will ever give up on anyone. Well, He gave up on these people. God gave them up to what? Unto vile affections. You know what the word vile means? Disgusting. What is he talking about? Now notice what it says. For even their women did change the, now make note of this word, natural. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. You need to understand this. There are sins that are natural. We all sin, by the way. But the Bible says there are sins that are not natural. Here's what I mean. There are things that come normal to all of us. Okay? You get yourself in trouble, it's natural to want to lie to get yourself out of trouble. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you, talk, you, you, you take a couple of teenage boys, you know, they're 16, 17 years old, and, and, and you, you, know, you let them look at some picture of, of some woman you know, dressed immodestly, it's normal for them. I, now, please understand what I'm saying. I did not say it's right. I did not say it's good. It is sin to look upon a woman and lust after her. The Bible calls it adultery of the heart. I'm not saying it's good. Please understand that. But what I'm saying, it's normal for a man with his eyes to lust after a woman that is dressed immodestly. It's not right. It's sin. They shouldn't do it. You should learn to control yourself, control your eyes. The Bible is very clear that it is a sin. But that's a natural sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, if I'm driving down the road, and I see some guy half naked in his underwear, you know, advertising Hanes underwear, th- there's, no, there's no temptation there. You understand that? I'm not tempted by a man. A woman should not be tempted by a woman. A man should not be tempted by a man. Those are unnatural sins. And, and let me explain something to you, in case you just, you know, you, you want to leave your upset, you might as well get all the facts. You, the, the media would have you think that, you know, sodomites are just, you know, it's like 50% of society is sodomites. Let me tell you something. It is like a percent of society. Most people in this world are not homosexuals. It is very few. But the Bible says, it's not, now verse 27, and likewise also the man, and likewise also the man leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they, now notice, notice verse 28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Okay, did they, who did not like to retain God in their knowledge? They did. Could they acknowledge God? They could have. Could they have been saved? They could have. Anyone can be saved. But look what it says. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, here's what he's saying. Even as means in the same way that they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. I don't have time to go there. You can look it up in Jeremiah chapter 6. The word reprobate means reject. You, you, you know, you get this idea that, that God is the God of the, of the second chance. And let me tell you something. Often God is the God of the second chance, but God is not the God of the one millionth chance. There comes a time, the Bible says the Spirit of God will not always strive with men. 
And there comes a time where you reject God and you reject God and you reject God enough that God says, you know what, I'm done with you, I'm not rejecting you. I don't like that type of preaching. That's what the Bible says. So I, I thought people could get saved up to the day they, they, they die. Many people can, but let me tell you something. There is a time when God gives up on people. And if that's not true, then what is these verses talking about? Look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. And when God gave them over to a rejected mind, look what it says. To do those things which are not convenient. The word convenient means natural or normal. The things that come easy. God gave them over to a reprobate mind so they could do things that were not natural. Now keep your finger there in Romans, okay? Go, go to uh, 1 Timothy. Keep your finger there in Romans. Go to 1 Timothy. I, I, I want to show you this because I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. You're not coming back anyway, so I might as well give it all to you. 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 1. Hopefully that's not the case. 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. Now notice what it says. Having their conscience seared with hot iron. There comes a time when God will sear someone's conscience, and they no longer do that which a normal person would do. I don't want to hear that. Look, I don't want to preach that, but that's what the Bible says. Pastor, so, so-and-so committed adultery, you know, he's married and he committed adultery with, 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 a, with this woman at work. That is wrong, that is wicked, that is filthy, but you know, that's a natural thing. A man being with another man is not normal. A woman being with another woman is not normal. A man abusing a child is not normal. Do you understand that? Those are not normal sins. That's not stealing, uh, you know, a candy bar. It's unnatural. Now, go back to Romans. Let me just show you one more thing there, and we'll, we'll get off of this. The Bible says there were, the, the Bible says that the death penalty, Leviticus, right? Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, God loves everyone. Okay? Romans 1. And by the way, God does love everyone. Did these people, could they, did they know God? Did they have a chance? They knew God. They had a chance. God didn't give up. God, look, God's not a Calvinist that just sends people to hell. But I'm here to tell you, you, can, you, you know, you, that's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And by the way, that's why it's so important that we go out soul winning every day. Every time you skip soul winning because you're too tired or you're too lazy or you're too whatever, let me tell you something. There is somebody that might be, get saved today that may not get saved tomorrow. It is our job to preach them the gospel now. I mean, we need to, we need, there is an urgency on the gospel today because God sometimes gives up on people. Wouldn't it be horrible if someone would have got saved today and you were supposed to get them saved, but you didn't go because you had to work on your garden or whatever excuse you come up with? And tomorrow God gives them over to a reprobate mind. Just a sobering thought, just something to think about. Look at verse 32. Romans 1 32. I warned you, you didn't have to come tonight. Who knowing the judgment of God, Romans 1.32, that they which commit such things are worthy of what? That's New Testament, that's Old Testament, that's throughout all Scripture. The Bible says they're worthy of death. I'm not saying we should go out there and kill, kill Sodomites. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm telling you is this. This is not a normal sin like any other sin. It's like stealing. No. It's different. Go to Judges 19, look at verse 26. 
Judges 19, verse 26. I've never heard this before. Because you probably go to church, you've gone to churches your whole life that never preach the Bible. Because you went to churches all your life that all they wanted was your money. And, and guess what? To, to get your money, they got to preach sermons that make you feel good. But this is the kind of preaching that we need in America today. Amen. Because we live in a society where every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Judges 19, verse 26. And then came the woman in the dawning of the day and fell down at the door of the man's house where, the Lord, where her Lord was till it was light. Okay, I want you to make note of that word, Lord. Verse 27. And her Lord. Do you see that word? rose up in the morning and opened the door of the house and went out to go his way. And behold, the woman, his concubine, was fallen down at the door of the house and her hands were upon the threshold. Alright? I just want you to see something real quickly, okay? Go, go back to Judges 19, verse 3. Alright? Judges 19, verse 3. And her husband. You see how the Bible calls her there, her husband? I want to show you what the Holy Spirit did here. Her husband arose. Okay? Throughout the passage, it's her husband... Throughout, uh, well, that, that's the only time it calls her husband. But throughout the passages, you know, his father-in-law, son-in-law. I mean, it's a marriage thing. Okay? You get down to verse 26. He just threw her out to the wolves, right? Verse 26. Now the relationship changed. Now God no longer calls her husband. He just calls her Lord. Okay? Now, please don't misunderstand me. In, and you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Peter 3.6, let me just read it for you. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. The Bible talks positively of a woman referring to her husband as Lord. That's what the Bible says. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with amazement. Okay, so I'm not saying that it's wrong for a wife to call her husband Lord, because that's what the Bible says Sarah did, and God uh, was happy about that, alright? But here's what I'm trying to tell you. This woman is not calling her husband Lord. The narrator of the story changed the way he was referring. He was, refer- he was going to... To, to go speak kindly to her, to try to get her back, and guess what? It's husband, it's father-in-law, it's son-in-law. As soon as he decides, man, I'm in trouble here. I'm going to give my wife over to these men. Now God stops calling him husband and just says her Lord. Because a concubine, I believe, was a servant and also a wife, was a slave. So now God says, I'm not even acknowledge you as a husband, I'm just going to acknowledge you as her boss. Because he's not acting like a husband. You say, well, what should he have done? I mean, what would you do? You find yourself in the situation, you're in a house surrounded by a group of men that want to defile you. And all he can do is give his wife over to save his own life. You say, what should he have done? He should have died. That's what he should have done. Amen. Amen. The Bible says it is a job for a man to protect his wife to death. Amen. And this guy, decide, he, he, he sends his wife out to save himself. Say, well, he could have fought those guys, then he should have died trying. But you know, that's not, the, that's not the mentality we have today. Men don't have that mentality today. You know, everything's just, ah, whatever. I know we've been married for 30 years, but let's just throw this marriage down the toilet, just because I don't, I don't think I like you anymore. We need to have an attitude with our wives that we're there to protect them till death. Verse 28, Judges 19, 28. And he said unto her, Ah, and let us be going. Now, you got to understand this, okay? Let, let, go, go back to, to, to verse... Uh, 27. Judges 19. Look at verse 27. And her Lord rose up in the morning. Well, look at verse 26. Verse 25. But the men would not hearken to him. 
So the man took his concubine and brought her forth unto them. And they knew her, now notice, and abused her all the night until the morning. And when the day began to spring, they let her go. Then came the woman in the... I mean, this is, this is a horrible picture. Then came the woman in the dawning of the day and fell down at the door of the man's house uh, where her Lord was till it was light. And her Lord rose up in the morning and opened the door of the house and went out to go his way. And behold, the woman, his concubine, was fallen down at the door of the house and her hands were upon the threshold. Literally, this woman is just trying to get back home. Her hands are up to the threshold of the house. She's just laying there. Verse 28. And he said unto her, Ah, let us be going. He just said, Look, wait, wait, let's go. Come on. But none answered. Then the man took her up upon his ass, and the man rose up and got him unto his place. This woman died. I mean, she was abused all night long that she literally died from it. Verse 29. And when he was coming to his house, he took a knife and laid hold on his concubine. And divided her together with her bones into twelve pieces and sent her into all the coast of Israel. And it was so that all that saw it said, now notice what they said. Okay, do you understand what happened? This woman was raped to the point that she died. He picks her up, takes her home, cuts her up to little pieces, her bones and everything, and sends her body off to the, to the coast of Israel, twelve different locations. To try to bring up, you know, to, to, to let people know, like, look what's happening in our nation. Alright? Now look at verse 30. And it was so that all that thought said, here's what they said. There was no such deed done nor seen from the day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt unto this day. Consider it, take advice, and speak your mind. Here's what they said. They, they heard about this. They saw it. And they were like, wow, we have never seen anything like this. I mean, this is insane. And by the way, the rest of the book of Judges deals with the aftermath of this story. Literally, civil war breaks out in Israel because of this wickedness. And these people are like, we have never seen anything like this. And they go to war because of it. You know how, how this story scares me so much about our society? Do you want to know why? Because if you went home and went on the internet and looked at the news on your homepage or turned on your television and watched the news or pick up a newspaper and you read a story of a young lady that was raped and killed and cut up, you know what you and I, what our reaction would be? Man, that's horrible. What's on the next page? You know why? Because it's not that unheard of in our society to hear of a woman get cut up. I mean, am I right? It's not that unheard of in our society to hear of a, of a, of a child be raped and, 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 you know, just have their body cut up and be abused and all sorts. I mean, these people, this happened and they're like, we can't believe this happened. We got to go to war. I mean, I can't believe. In our society, it's actually not that uncommon. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you know what that tells me? We're in a much worse state than the book of Judges. That's right. You've been studying the book of Judges and you're like, man, these people are insane, man. These people are crazy, man. They're doing this. They're worshiping that ephod and they're worshiping that idol and they're, they're doing this and doing that. And you and I are in a worse state. You, if we were in the book of Judges, we'd be more spiritual than we are right now. Because if we heard of a young lady getting raped and killed and cut up, we, 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 I mean, we would be like, man, that's horrible. And move on. 
Because we've heard of it. Because we've seen it. Do you know that's why we need this type of preaching in America today? Do you realize how desensitized we are to sin? You watch people get killed on TV every day. Don't even give it a second thought. We are desensitized to sin. God has called us to be a peculiar, holy, clean people. And from time to time, that means we must preach against sin. Society teaches you, oh, they're, they're all flamboyant, they're nice, it's great. That's not what the Bible teaches. Show me in the Bible where God looks at the Sodomites in a positive way. He doesn't. Show it to me. I'd love to preach it. I'll, I'll stand up on Sunday, next Sunday night and say, folks, I was wrong. Here it is. Here's where God talks positively about a sodomite. It's not in the Bible. And if you're a biblicist, then this is your authority, not our society. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Lord, I understand this is a tough sermon. Every person in this room has a friend or has a co-worker or has a relative that is homosexual because it's prevalent in our society. Even though there's not many of them, it is still prevalent in our society. This isn't the type of sermon I like to preach, but it's the Bible. It's Judges 19. It's what the Word says. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be a church that is instant, in season, out of season. And Lord, help our people to be thankful that there is a church that will preach the Bible to them, whether it's popular or not, whether they like it or not, whether it's something that is easy for us to understand. Lord, I'd much rather preach a positive sermon, but this is the message for our time. This is the society we live in. I pray you'd help us to understand that. Help us to be able to accept it. Lord, help us to just get a fire in our hearts to go out and reach people before it's too late. Stop with all the excuses. Stop with all the laziness. Stop. Just stop. Just realize the most important thing we could do with our lives is get a child saved. Get an individual saved. Father, I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd be with our church. Not to leave here discouraged, but to leave here just real, just thinking, man, let, let's go out and change this community. Let's go out and reach this community for the gospel of Jesus Christ so that these things don't happen. Lord, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, let's take